I love it when people set big goals, but I also feel it's important to set realistic goals within achievable timelines. Dizones Radio, episode 964, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, no no official sponsor, which means that I'm the official sponsor, and my my thing that I'm hawking today is uh, the giveaway. So I guess I'm I'm hawking something that's free, and uh, that is the chance to work with me for a, a 16 week training plan for the race of your choice. Could be soon, could be 2022, 2023, doesn't matter. When you win it, you've got it, and it doesn't expire. It doesn't go anywhere. Uh, but to get yourself entered into the drawing, it's a random drawing that we do at the beginning of each and every new month. Uh, you got to go to disruns.com slash giveaway or right at the homepage of disruns.com. Either way, two different ways to get to the same end point, and that is getting your name entered into the drawing. You enter your name, you enter your email address, bada boom, bada bam, you're in it. And then you're automatically re-entered each month as well, FYI, in case I don't mention that often enough. You, once you enter once, you're good to go every month beyond that. And uh, yes, it does sign you up to my email list. So you know, I don't want to be sneaky about that. I don't, I don't want you to feel like I'm, I'm, you know, there's some type of bait and switch there. Uh, but I do hope that at least most of the time, some of the time, my emails are actually worth reading. I try to make those more like blog posts than like your your typical, you know, spammy newsletter emails. Every once in a while, I'll try to sell something. But when I say every once in a while, it's like maybe once every six months. Like it's not very often. Um, so, you know, hopefully you'd find that the emails are worthwhile and then icing on the cake, you've got a chance to win a free training plan. So, uh, give it, a, give it an enter if you're so inclined, but you got to be in it in order to win it. Dizruns.com slash giveaway or right at the homepage, Dizruns.com. And now without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's guest is someone that uh, I'm really looking forward to talking to because uh, I know that I'm going to learn a few things during our chat today. Hopefully you will as well. Uh, he's a fellow running coach and, and y'all know if you've been listening for a while that I, I definitely enjoy talking to other coaches, comparing notes, talking shop, learning a few things. Uh, and again, hopefully helping you learn a few things along the way. And, and I'm excited today because I think, and I'm not 100% sure, but I think that we're, we're relatively aligned on at least several different philosophies and areas of, of coaching. So uh, it's always fun to, to dive a little bit deeper in somebody that you're already kind of aligned with as it, as it begins. So uh, he's also a fellow podcaster and is a co-owner of a running apparel company called Path Projects, and, uh, which, which makes clothes for specifically for, for men. Runners that are men, novel concept, uh, and he's also maybe his most important titles are husband and father. So uh, I don't know how much we're going to get into today, but I'm looking forward to diving deep in at least a couple areas with Mr. Flores Gearman. So Flores, thanks for uh, joining us today, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here, Danny. I'm looking forward to our chat here. Yes, yes, definitely looking forward to it. And guys, if you enjoyed today's conversation, um, you can find out more about Flores and some of the things that he has available coaching-wise and whatnot at extramilist.com. Pretty much spelled just like it uh, sounds, extramilist, all one word, dot com. Uh, if, you in, if, if we get into the Path Project stuff today, which I'm sure we probably will, uh, pathprojects.com is the website for the uh, the apparel, clothes, shorts, shorts shirts, uh, hats, all the things. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, Strava, all all 
places to find Floris on the social medias. Uh, and it's real easy because it's just his name, Floris Gearman. But again, you got to be able to spell that. So it's F-L-O-R-I-S-G-I-E-R-M-A-N. Uh, and as per usual, if your head's spinning and you got links going left, left, right, and center, uh, just point your browser back to the show notes for today, disruns.com slash 964. Disruns.com slash 964, and we'll have everything linked up as per usual. So, Floris, the way we always uh, start off the show, uh, same, same simple question. Uh, it's just a, a good launching off point. And uh, to be honest, I have no idea where you're going to go with it, which, which sometimes is fun for me because it's just uh, you know, leaping without a net, and we'll see, where, we'll see where it takes us. But it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? I would say the marathon. And it is because I feel up to mile 20, it's all a warm-up. It really <laughs> is a long warm-up. Mm-hmm. And typically at mile 20 is either where the wheels are falling off or this is the part where you've actually played your cards right. You've saved some of that energy early on and you truly get ready for that mile 20 point to be able to finish strong to the finish. And I think you can tell a lot about how people race by like looking at how their last few miles of a marathon are. And I've made every mistake in the book myself. I've literally hit the wall that I thought I was going to die at that point. <laughs> but I've also been able to run through it and actually pick up the pace those last few miles. So it's it's nice enough that you can race it fast, but you have to play your cards right. So. Yeah, that's that's very true. And I feel like, like for me... Um, you know, whenever somebody asks me that question, since I've asked however many people that over the years, uh, I always go with the marathon. But it's it is still that that nut that that I'm not always confident I'm going to crack it correctly. Like I feel like some of the shorter distance stuff, uh, obviously all being relative, but like the half marathon, I feel comfortable that like I can race that hard and pretty much get it right just about every time. But yeah, the marathon, man, it's it's like you said, you get to mile twenty, whew, and anybody's guess at that point. It's that fine line. When you start out the race, you have tapered and you feel so good and you want to go out there. You're like this happy dog who wants to run. <laughs> and then once you're out there, you see everyone around you going that fast too. It's it's challenging to hold back a little bit at the beginning stages. But I, And I've done it myself too, where I truly underestimated or overestimated the shape I was in. Use too much energy early on, and sure enough, get your ass handed to you later on. But right. then again, it's it's every race is different again, and we learn so much from all of these race experiences. Yeah, I and mean, that's that's very true. And then there's the 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 factor that comes into it is that you know sometimes like you just set your sights too high for what maybe pace you wanted to run or what your finish time wanted to be, and and. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, not that I've done this too often, but I feel like maybe once or twice there's been a time where, you know, I, I pretty much executed the plan, got to the finish line, you know, ran, ran a little bit faster those last few miles. So, you know, everything kind of went well, but then you get to the finish line going, well, well, shoot, like I still got some gas left in the tank. Maybe I could have gone. So then, so then you, you know, the next time you're like, well, let me push a little hard, but then you overcorrect, you go too hard and then you, you blow <laughs> up and man, it's just, it's just such a moving target, the marathon distance. Yeah, it is. But I often say that Sometimes when you think you can shave off 10, 15 seconds in the early miles, mm-hmm. that could often cost you two, three, four minutes per mile in the later stages. So it's all about like kind of, yeah, that holding uh, back and that's so pacing, true. pacing it correctly. So, so true. And that's, and that's uh, again, that's, that's the, the trick of the marathon and, and, you know, really trying to race it hard is, is such a, it's a razor's edge of getting it right versus getting it wrong on, on one side or the other. Um, how'd you get into the sport Flores? Is, is running always been something that you've been, been into or, or how'd you find your way down this, this path? 
I was really into skateboarding growing up. Like I grew up in Amsterdam, mm -hmm. was skateboarding there like every single day. And funny enough, you kind of need some endurance for that to some extent as well. If you're truly skating for hours on end at a skate park, he used to work at a skate park, had a key. So we could literally like have skate nights for like four or five hours. And after I got injured so many times, I broke my wrist six times. I was like, I need to find something that is still gets a lot of my energy out without necessarily wrecking myself. And so then I ran my first marathon in 2007. That was like, yeah, 14, 14 years ago already. And from there on, like at the beginning, did not know what to do, how to go about it. And, and just purely was running very inconsistently, didn't pay attention really to any of these other factors. It was like no, no idea what running intensity felt like. It was very often like running really hard and being dead towards the end of the workout. And then from there on, like really took a break for a while from running. And then it wasn't until my daughter was born in 2013 that I was like, I don't want to be an out of shape dad. I want to get into the best shape of my life when my daughter is born. Then I got really into running. And that, that was a, a big difference. All of a sudden, I started paying attention to my training. I started paying attention to how to pace yourself. I discovered like a low heart rate training approach of running low intensity base building. And then that second marathon, like the first marathon was in four hours and 11 minutes. And then the second marathon was in two hours and 55 minutes. Whoa. So I shaved off like more than an hour. And then I got the running bug from there on. I was like constantly wanting to run more and more and going about like, how can you shave off more time and train smarter and race smarter as well. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm kind of sitting here smiling to myself because it, it, I, you know, like I said at the beginning and I, I didn't know all of these details, but I feel like we're, we're relatively aligned on, on several things. And, and I feel like that's that introduction to running is is pretty similar for for me as well where you know the the like and i don't know i will get into a little bit more details maybe it's not as as alike as i'm hearing it but like you know not really knowing what you're doing for the first marathon but just kind of doing it for whatever reason uh you know and then over the the course of some years learning some things i also not between my first and second but between my second and third marathon i had like a, an hour plus you know an hour and five minute hour and eight minute something like that PR, uh, from where, where I just started, you know, I was at that point just scratching the surface of learning some things and, and maybe doing some, some better, uh, ways of training than I, than I started out with. But, uh, you mentioned, you know, kind of not wanting to break yourself anymore from skateboarding, which I think makes sense at a certain point you get old enough that like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, uh, you know, maybe worth, worth the price of admission of a broken bone here and, and there. Um, but that first marathon, you know, four four eleven for a lot of folks, and and for me as well, even like I I PR a little bit faster than that, but not substantially, and and I still feel like four eleven. That's that's getting it pretty done, you know, get, getting a pretty good job done for for a lot of folks. Um, but how is you know you, you said not really knowing what you were doing leading up to it? How how not knowing what were you doing in preparation for that first marathon? Were you? Well, to to put it in perspective, it was at the time I was working in skateboarding here in America and I worked for Tony Hawk, the skateboarder. Mm -hmm. And so I was setting up like it was my wish to work in America. And I came here, literally volunteered for six months to work for free. Mm. And I said, whatever I need to do to work in skateboarding. And that's how I got a job. Ended up working for Tony Hawk for several years. So I'm prepared that the night before my marathon, I was running an event for Tony Hawk, a world premiere of one of our videos until 2.30 in the morning <laughs> to be able to get up at six in the morning to get ready for the marathon. 
And so it was that part where I was just in this part of like, go, go, go. And even the training was kind of of that extent of like, oh yeah, you put a few long back-to-back workouts and then feeling so wrecked that you had to take some time off Mm. and then like doing some harder and like literally I would hate to do speed work. But it was also because I would go all out and it would be so painful and that entire no pain, no gain mentality. Mm -hmm. It was all of that. And I think sometimes at the beginning of running, you don't necessarily know, like you don't know that there's other ways to train. You don't know that actually, hold on, maybe if I slow down my intensity, the workouts become more enjoyable. You can train more consistent. Your injury chances go down. Like all of these different things, you start to feel better, like less stressed in your daily life. You start eating better. And it's all of those things are connected. And sometimes I think you just have to go through some of those mistakes in the early stages until you start realizing that there's other alternatives. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I, I, I don't know that I struggle with, but it, sometimes I, I catch myself, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's on social media, whether it's with, with the athletes that I coach, of like, sometimes you just, you can put the information out there, but sometimes people have to just experience it and hopefully not too, too bad, have too many negative consequences, but sometimes you just kind of have to, have to take your lumps a little bit because that is for some folks. And, and I'm certainly, you know, would, would class myself as one of them, uh, can be the best way to learn, you know, learn what to do by doing what not to do first and then go, Oh yeah, maybe there is a, a little bit better way. Yeah, especially when you are at the later stage of a race and you still see some people running fast. Like you're like, what did they do different? How how did they either train or how did they pace themselves or what did they eat different or what did they do that they are able to pick up the pace towards the end? So yeah, then you go down the rabbit hole of research and there's like you're look you're like 900 plus episodes in and there's still more information out there every time again. So it's it's there's a lot to take in there, but. It's, yeah, it's exciting. That's that's the exciting ever learning part of the running process. Right. Well, and that's and that's you know the the running process, but also just uh, as we continue to learn about ourselves and about how humans work, and and just you know there's there's always always new things to learn if you're willing to to go out and look for them and 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 try to learn some things. And uh, something that you mentioned in there that that I I think I gleaned from the website as well as being kind of part of your. Um, you know, a belief that you have as a coach and, and certainly something that, that I, I believe in is, is kind of the, the lower heart rate style of training and, and uh, not, not hammering it all the time and, and running easy for the bulk of the time. But, uh, you know, bef- before we dive into that a little bit, which I'm, which I'm excited to do, and I'm sure people are rolling their eyes because they hear me talk about it all the time as well. Um, but, but how did you kind of find that, that method of training? Because, you know, like you said, kind of that no pain, no gain was how, how you started running, you know, at least it was kind of the, 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 ethos you had when you started running and how you trained for that first first marathon um you know can you remember back to when you kind of first heard the idea of like wait a second i can get i can run better by not running hard all the time and kind of how did that come about for you for, for me the big aha moment was listening to a trail runner nation podcast with dr phil Maffetone, mm-hmm. where he explained the concept that he was coaching six-time world champion ironman mark allen about that he had to slow down his running intensity a lot more. Mark Allen at the time was running a lot of five minute miles and always running at high intensity. And he put a heart rate strap on them and he said, work out at a intensity of 180 minus your age. Mm-hmm. And so Mark Allen went out and he had to slow down his pace to like a 1030 or 11 minute mile. And that was way slower than he was used to obviously. 
but rather quickly he was able to become faster. So after one month, you shave off, let's say, 30 seconds a mile, the next month, another 30. And so that to me, all of a sudden, when I understood that concept of like you train your body to use more body fat for energy instead of always a higher intensity anaerobic running where you use the sugar, the glycogen in your body for energy, and you're going to run out of that much faster than the fats. That was kind of an aha moment. And then tied into that was the nutritional component that you really are what you eat. If you eat a lot of junk food, that's not going to help your running performance, obviously. But even even that part, like for me, it became like experimenting a bit more with a lower carb intake, not going crazy keto and all like Mm -hmm. to to a massive extent, but just starting to experiment with cutting out some of the pizzas, the pasta, the like the bread and all of that coming from Europe, I was eating a lot of bread. That was a big transition for me to all of a sudden go to a little bit higher fat and a bit lower carb. And so once I started doing that myself and I put the heart rate strap on, at the beginning I used to always train at a seven minute mile or like a 6.30 minute mile. And that I thought was my normal running pace. When I put on the heart rate strap and I did 180 minus my age at the time, 30, it was 150. I had to slow down to an 8.30, nine minute mile on flat. And then on the trails, it became a lot of walking. It became a lot of 11 minute mile, 12 minute mile, like walking the hills, but even some of the flats or once the cardiac drift kicks in on some of the longer runs. But after one month of running mostly at lower intensity, that 8.30 became an eight minute. Mm -hmm. Then the next month it became a 7.40. And then a few months later, I was able to run like a seven minute mile. What I used to run at a high intensity now became at a relative low intensity. And then fast forward 18 months, all of a sudden I was able to run at a 148 heart rate, a six ten minute mile. And then it became fairly doable to run a PR in Boston of like, I ran a 244 and like 30, 30 mile an hour headwind. Wow. And it was very like it was challenging, of course, you're pushing yourself, but at least I was able to pick up the pace and hold pace towards these later stages. That made all the difference. All of a sudden, I didn't have that wall anymore at mile 20, and I was able to sustain more energy later on in the races as well. So yeah, it's it's been a fascinating journey that way. Yeah, it, it's it's. I, I wish that I could say that uh, <laughs> that my pace was my my math my math pace was down to you know in the in the six minute range just yet, but we're, we're not there yet, but we're, we're making progress. And it's, and it is a, and that's, you know, I think something that sometimes can get lost in the shuffle is that like, you know, just because you have a month where you don't see much progress or where, where you only quote unquote, only improve your pace by a few seconds per mile instead of by 30 or by 20 or whatever, uh, doesn't mean it's not working and, and doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. But, uh, were there ever any, any moments for you in the, in the early stages of it where, like, yeah, you hear you hear Dr. Maffetone talk about it, and you hear about the success that Mark Allen had, and some other you know elite level folks have had over the over the years. Um, but but was was there ever much doubt? Did, did you ever have times that you're like, gosh, I don't know if this is working. Like, I, I need I need you know I feel like I need to run faster, and this this slowing <laughs> down is is a struggle. Like, were, were there ever some some of those moments for you? Absolutely, and I think for me, one of the, one of the key points was it's not just a you're going outside and you're running much slower, all of a sudden, yes, there's other people around as well. Naturally, a lot of people have some kind of ego. If all of a sudden I'm getting passed on the bike path by much slower people mm-hmm. than I, I used to think they were slower, and now all of a sudden they were faster than me. I remember being passed by a lady in her 60s, 
who was actually running faster than I was. And she almost gave me this look of like, why are you running so slow kind of thing? Right. And, and so there was that part. There was the part of going to the trails and literally being like, why am I walking? Like, why am I actually doing this? But I think once you start seeing slight progress, once you start clicking some of these things, once you finish a workout and you feel you can do that run again, mm -hmm. that's when you know you actually did it at the right intensity. This is when you know you're actually building on top of it. And I think it's very often people are looking for this short-term progress versus actually let's zoom out. What is your big picture plan? Where do you want to go in six months, 12 months, 24 months? This is like a short-term sacrifice that you're making for long-term long rewards. And once you have that base, yes, of course, on top of that, you can start adding some, some higher intensity in right. eventually. This is not like a lot of people think, oh, it's all painful, slow miles and a lot of walking. It's like if you stick with the majority of your runs at a lower intensity, even during the base building phase, but you want to go on a group run with your friends, go for it. Right. If you have a lot of energy and you want to go outside and you want to run fast, of course, let that happy dog out of the cage and let them run fast. But the majority of these other runs, you can then hold back the intensity for a little bit. And I think that's that's an important one there. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and I guess maybe we're kind of starting to, to get into some of the coaching stuff, but I'd love to just kind of stay on some of this this heart rate training, math style. Again, what it, I know that's kind of what we're speaking, but but to the to the folks listening, I mean, there's there's different different subtle differences between like an 80, 20 and, and some of the zones and, and different things, but all kind of the same, same basic philosophy. Um, but, but I'd be curious if you've had, and I'm, I'm assuming you probably have some of the folks that you've, you've worked with that you've coached where they're like, all right, Flores, like, like I'm convinced it sounds good. I want to give it a shot. You know, I'll get my heart rate strap. I'll get out there and, and, and run at my, at my target number, whatever that is, however you decide to determine it. Uh, and then they come back to you and say, it felt, like I can't do it. Like my form, like I, my form is all messed up. Like I'm, I'm running. It's so awkward to try to run slow, run quote unquote slow, but, but keep my, my effort low. Um, cause I know I've gotten that from folks where it's just like, it just like, it hurts. Like I can't do it. It's it, my form is all messed up. Uh, how do you, how do you handle that when, when one of your athletes or somebody who listens to the podcast and asks a question or whatever the case might be, when you get that pushback from somebody as they're starting to dip their toes into a more effort based training philosophy? I think running pace is one thing to be looking at. Very often athletes get injured mm -hmm. and that is very often caused by them doing too much training volume or too high of an intensity too frequently for that body. Where it almost is like, let's step back a little bit and let's build that foundation first. Once that foundation is in place, even if that means you have to go out and then walk for 30 minutes, right. do that pretty much on a daily basis, get into that consistent habit. Maybe from there on, you want to start picking up the running pace a little bit. Because yes, let's face it, at some point, your pace is so slow that it's easier to walk mm -hmm. than it is to run. But even, it just means at this point, your aerobic system is not developed yet. Or there might be a lot of other factors going on. If it's hot outside, like it is now, if it's humid, if there's altitude, if there's wind, any of these things can mess with that as well. But let's not forget about the impact of stress in daily life. Now with COVID, so many people mm -hmm. have elevated stress levels. When people are diving into how much do they sleep? How is their nutrition? How is their hydration? There's a lot of different things to unpack there. Once you start seeing that everything is connected, then I think over time with consistency, those workouts become faster. And you start to like, you almost need to get over that initial hump mm -hmm. and just believe that this concept works. 
And yes, too many people are saying like, ah, this heart rate is too low for me. The 180 formula doesn't work for me. Or however you decide what is your aerobic zone, whether you go to a lab, you use like some Z2 formula, mm -hmm. or you use a 180 formula. At the end of the day, I think people don't want to admit that aerobically they have a lot of opportunity to improve. But once you kind of can get over that ego and slow down initially, once you start seeing some of that progress over time, it will become easier. So it, It'll become easier, but, but I would like, it's kind of a little bit semantics, but like it becomes easier to stay in the zone. But I've found, and, and maybe you have as well, that it becomes harder to stay at the at the higher end of the zone because your aerobic fitness is improving and like you know for me at least it's like I go out there in my morning runs and like I just kind of want to you know cruise and get my my miles in and and I don't want to say that I'm frustrated but it's like you know I'm looking down at my watch and I'm you know 125 1 130 maybe for the heart rate and my my you know I'm 39 so my 180 is is 141 and it's like well I mean I I I could push a little harder to get it up towards the, the top end of the zone, but like, why? Like, I'm, I'm feeling good. It's, it's a good cruise, but, but at the, all at the same time, you know, it wasn't too long ago that I had to be, you know, run walking at, at an average of 11 minute pace to stay under that 140 yeah. or 142 or whatever it would have been at the time. Um, so yeah, it, it gets easier, but it also gets harder to get like, that's when you start to see the, the progress. I guess what I'm trying to say is all of a sudden it's like, like I could run even faster and still be in the aerobic zone. And that's, that's when it is, is where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes time to develop that. And I will say, depends on your training volume as well. Let's say you're running 30 miles a week. It might be easier if you're, if you're running whatever, four five, six hours a week, it's probably easier to run closer to that math heart rate zone at that point versus if you're putting in 10 hours a week or 12 hours, your body just needs a bit more recovery. I also think it depends on the age of the athlete too. Like you and I are still in our thirties. Our 180 number is still relative high. Right. Whereas if athletes are going to be in their fifties or sixties, yes, it's much harder to run at math or like below math at that point because you're just at such a low heart rate over there i think age does get dinged pretty hard with some of these formulas mm -hmm. um and yeah over time you just start seeing some of these zones change which is fascinating too and i'm sure that you've noticed this too like over time your max heart rate starts coming down too like your and some of your zones are starting to shift so it's, it's good to like test that from time to time but the end of the day formulas are formulas i think it's also up to us to feel what is truly that right heart rate and yes you can do an expensive lab test but at the end of the day how we feel internally that day for that specific run i think it's sometimes more important than just looking at that number yeah absolutely absolutely um here's another kind of common pushback i get and I'm just, again i'm sure that you've probably heard it once or twice you, you're grinning already so you might you might have an idea of where we're going with this uh, i've heard them all so. I, i'm sure I, I feel like i have heard a lot of them too but um when, when somebody says all right Floris, like i get it and i'm starting to see some improvement right like i'm starting to see my 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 runs that are, are sub you know math or we'll, we'll use for shorthand but whatever in the in sub zone two whatever we're looking at uh, my times are getting better I'm, I'm I'm running faster I'm I'm not having to walk my heart rate's not spiking yada 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 but I'm doing all these training runs or at least the vast majority of my training runs at you know, making up numbers at 10 minute pace but my goal is to run a three hour and 30 minute marathon which means I need to be down at 720 or 725 pace something like that how in the heck am I going to be able to run that fast over 26.2 miles when all of all, or at least the vast majority of my training is at 
845 to 915 pace? Yeah, I think there's a time and place for low intensity running. I think there's a time and place for high intensity running and also like what, how realistic are the goals that you set? I love it when people set big goals, but I also feel it's important to set realistic goals within achievable timelines with short-term goals and longer-term goals too. I hear a lot of people saying, I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon, but they might be running an 11-minute mile or a 10-minute mile, like just like this example what you're talking about here. And I think training volume plays a big role in this. Let's face it, if you're running three hours a week, you're going to progress differently than when you're able to put in consistently six, eight, 10 hours a week. Mm-hmm. When you really look at what are some athletes doing who are running faster, typically they tend to train a little bit more to a certain degree because there's also enough people who don't allow their body enough time to recover. They put in so much time and effort into the running that they don't have enough time to put in their seven to eight hours of sleep a night. So at the end of the day, I think it is making sure that all these different elements in your life are under control, not just the running component, but also like to several different athletes have said sleep more that will bring down your math pace start eating better start hydrating more start stressing less start journaling like meditating whatever you got to do to get your personal life sorted your headspace sorted that will eventually result into improved running in the long term as well so i think too many people are just too fixated on that math number forgetting that now they're able to train consistently they're running injury free they have energy throughout the day they sleep well their hormone balance is correct so yeah that's does a lot to it yeah it's that uh reminds me of something i've said a few times and 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 again i think somewhere we're we're aligned is you know that, that our bodies are are a complicated and complex ecosystem it's not something where every bucket is separate and your work life doesn't affect your family life doesn't affect your training life doesn't affect you know all of the different things um you know and, and so with that like you mentioned a couple of them and and, and i mean I, I feel like again like i've said these things before but it's always nice to have a different voice saying saying some of the same types of things and hopefully it it, it sinks in a little bit clearer but you know for for so many runners you know you've got you've got work life is getting back into, into, you know, thankfully COVID is, is lightening up. We're getting back to, to some normal routines or, or, or at least what was the normal routine, you know, pre a year and a half ago. Um, but you, you know, you're working six, eight, nine, ten hours a day, maybe commuting as well. Now, again, uh, you got family stuff going on. You, you're still wanting to train, you know, four, five, six, eight hours a week. Um, you know, if you're going to do all of the things, something's got to give. And for so many folks, that means, well, let's, let's sleep for five hours or six hours a night instead of that, those seven, eight, nine hours a night. Um, how, again, like how do you help to explain that to folks that it's just like, you know what, maybe, maybe train an hour less per week, but get a little bit extra sleep per night. And, and when it's all said and done, you're probably going to come out farther ahead that way. Yeah. I think you're spot on right there. The importance of, of, setting all of those things up right and i think it, it it often comes down to a lot of people create all these different goals all these ambitious these things they want to do yet they don't pay much attention to the systems and the habits that they set up to establish those and so let's look at it what can you do to set up some of these things for success it's like if you like quite a few people have some type of morning routine right like you wake up and you maybe do some meditation, you maybe do some stretching or you head out the door first thing to go for a run. That might be a positive kickstart of the day. And people tend to have more energy in the mornings when they're clear-minded and, and 
they, they are able to mo like stick to that. Yet the evening routine, very few people pay attention to. Yes, those with kids have an evening routine and they might like, all right, we brush the teeth, we read a book and we go to bed. Yet, what if you can start doing that as an adult and you actually set a bedtime alarm? It's like eight o'clock, your apps on your phone start shutting down. There's easy features for that. All of a sudden, you can't use that anymore. So an hour or an hour and a half before bedtime, you start not getting on your digital devices anymore. And then at nine o'clock, you might have a, a like your watch might start vibrating like, hey, it's ready to start settling down or get ready for bed at whatever time. Like I'm a morning person. I go to bed fairly early, but I wake up rather mm -hmm. early as well. So it's like finding what type of person you are. Like, are you more of an evening person, a morning person? Where are your energy levels correct? And then just kind of formulating your day around that as well, like setting up the different systems. And that's not just for sleep. I think that's for many other areas in your life as well. So. Yeah, I, I, I have, uh, you know, I, I agree with all of that. And, and I'm kind of, again, laughing at myself because we've got our, our daughter is uh, just about to turn seven and we've still got that, that evening routine of, you know, after dinner, we almost always play some type of whether it's a board game, card game, whatever. Like, so there's there's nothing, no screens, no nothing like that. We 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 play a game together as a family until it's time to start getting ready for bed. And then yeah, it's that that whole routine: brush your teeth, get your PJs on, we'll go and read a, read a book or whatever. Um, but then as soon as we as soon as we put her down, then like my wife and I's routine is just like there is no routine. Like our routine is that there's no routine, and and it 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 would be so easy to just make our daughter's bedtime routine the beginning of our evening routine, right? Where just like after dinner, then, then I guess we kind of have a routine of walking the dog together. But other than that, like we get back from the dog walk and then it's just, you know, sometimes it's chatting and sometimes it's watching TV and sometimes it is just screwing around on our phones or reading about like, there's no, there's no semblance of normalcy. Um, which, you know, at that point, some days like having that routine makes it so much easier because it's like, Oh, I need to, like you said, it's such and such a time, turn off, turn off the phone. Or maybe it's for me when I, when I could benefit from is, Oh, get on the foam roller or do some stretching or just do some of those easy recovery things um, that, that A, would help me physically, but B, it might also help me to unwind a little bit, help me to relax a little bit, which is going to help me fall asleep a little bit. Like, you know, it's so intertwined. Yeah. And yet, again, like I just said earlier, we have our buckets. Like, oh, this is my evening bucket to just relax and not do anything, but I'm not doing anything that would help me to relax. It's, it's a tangled web I weave, but, uh, you know. Yeah, and of course, we want to live spontaneous. We want to like be open to, like, we don't want to be a robot either. But at the other hand, I think the consistency of same time waking up, same time going to bed, it just works for your hormonal balance. Like, when does your cortisol level increase? When does your melatonin levels increase at night? Like, your body temperature coming down, your, like, all of these different things have a time and place. So. Yeah, our, our, we're not robots, but our bodies sure sure like predictability, and so consistency. Yeah, yeah if, you, if you give it to your body, if you give that type of thing to your body, and again, I mean, this this branches out to all things. You know, training, being consistent with your training doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be exactly the same every single day, but some level of consistency, some level of consistency with your diet, whatever it is you choose to eat, but times of day and th and types of like, our bodies do do well with a predictable pattern. And it's funny though because. As much as I talk about it, as much as I coach about it, still sometimes, even for me, it slips in. Like last night, like normally I have the bed down routine and everything down. Last night I was late with launching a new video and podcast. Mm. 
And sure enough, here I was uploading something at 11 o'clock at night and like getting some things ready and it wasn't wind down until midnight. Right. And sure enough, I could feel that like the whole metabolism is off today. And there's just little things because we as athletes over time become really in tune with our body of how good optimal can feel like. Mm. And I think then you, like I think a lot of people initially are not that in tune with the body that when you eat junk food, you don't realize how terrible you actually feel, how sluggish or at three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon that you start feeling like you need a dip or you need coffee. Mm -hmm. It's all related to, to what you're doing in other parts of the day, what you're putting in your body and whatnot. So, yeah. 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 And then the, the more you start paying attention, then the more you start to realize that like, oh, this, this at two o'clock in the afternoon that I do, whatever it is, and, and you know, whether it's junk food, whether it's an extra cup of coffee, whether it, whatever it is, this thing I do at two o'clock in the afternoon kind of has an impact on my run tomorrow morning at five o'clock in the morning. And so, yeah, you, or you like, you, like maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. So then you start experimenting, but it's all, it's all, uh, we're, again, we're a complicated ecosystem with our whole bodies and, and you got to, Kind of just always be running experiments and, and trying things out. And um, you mentioned, you know, last night being up late with a podcast. I'd love to dive into the podcast a little bit, the Extra Mileist podcast. Um, what uh, what inspired you to start uh, start doing this whole talking to talking to people and broadcasting <laughs> it out there for the world to hear? So it was it was really like once once I went down this rabbit hole of looking for information out there, and like I mentioned to you earlier, like Dr. Phil Methadone played a big role in initially sparking that. I was like, how can I have more conversations and share this knowledge with other people out there as well? I felt like it made such a positive difference on me, on my family, on my people around me. And after I wrote a few blog posts about it, I kept getting questions about it. Like, ah, oh, how should I train this? Or how should I do that? I'm like, let me just surround myself with more experts who have done this for much longer. And this was in 2014 when I started it. So I interviewed Dr. Phil Maffetone three times over the years. I interviewed Mark Allen, example that he used, like Dr. Mark Gugazella, Danny Dreyer, like Wim Hof. And then from there on, it became a lot of like legit running coaches, a lot of like from professional to elite athletes. But then I also found a lot of joy in actually interviewing the everyday runner, like someone who might have gone from a three, from a five and a half hour marathon down to a four hour marathon or to a three and a half hour. Like, those challenges are sometimes more relatable than the elite athlete who has like 12 hours a day or yeah, they can train, they can sleep, they can do all that in the world where we have kids, we have full-time jobs, we have all these other things that, that sometimes come into, in the way of, of training. So over time that just developed and, and I will be honest, I've been the least consistent podcaster out there because it's been six years now probably. And I think last night I launched episode 45. So sometimes I've been on this spree of like launching them more consistent and then, then just live has taken over or I've started making other videos. But yeah, there's uh, once again, real life happens at the end of the day, trying to do the best I could there. Um, without it completely taking over family life. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, you know, the, the key for anything is to, to find that balance. And, and, you know, if you enjoy doing it, you'll do it. It just might be sometimes six weeks, sometimes six months between episodes, but you'll find your way back to it. And, and then you, you put the next one out and, and, um, yeah, that's, that's, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, you know, sometimes consistency is great, but like you said, also, Sometimes we just got to kind of go with, with the spirit a little bit and just kind of, you know, ebb and flow and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so, so that started and, and where did path projects come into play? Like, well, how did you kind of decide to, to form a, form this, uh, this company, uh, around, you know, 
making making running clothes for men because there's all kinds of like I feel like and and maybe this is me painting with too broad of a brush, but like so many of the other apparel companies out there, and this isn't casting shade or anything like that, but like it feels like they're they maybe started with a bunch of stuff for women and like oh yeah let's make some men's stuff as well, um, and maybe I'm mistaken, I very well could be, but you know you guys are definitely just for guys. Where where did that project come from? So. Basically, Scott Bailey, he's the founder of Path Projects. He is my business partner. And he three and a half years ago, or actually backtrack a little bit further, he five years ago sold his previous company in the apparel space. And he figured, I want to develop the ultimate running short because he, he just couldn't find a running short with enough pocket space that you could put your phone in, that you could put your gel in, your car keys, your credit card, whatever, without it bouncing around. So he went on this search of developing this together with uh, our third business partner, Eric. And that took 18 months of product testing, of developing. And these were like premium Japanese materials, a lot of time and thought, effort into the sample production, into the testing, into modifications. Then about three and a half years ago, I was in Chicago for a skateboard contest at dinner with a friend, Jeff Rowley, a professional skateboarder. And he said, our friend Scott Bailey is actually starting a new company. You should check this out. And they had just launched a test website. And so I actually went to the test website, bought some product because I was in need for some running gear. And I got the gear and I was like, this is this is literally the best running shorts I've ever felt. And it was like a separate baseliner system from the shorts. So it's an outer shell for the shorts and then separate baseliners. So you can pick different lengths, like you can pick a full length in the winter. You can pick a shorter one in the summer. Um, there's a lot of possibilities. You only have to wash your short like every three to five runs, whereas the baseliner, you wash it more frequently. There were like an eco element to it. And so as soon as I tried the gear, I was like, I need to find a way to get involved with these guys. So I just reached out to Scott and I said, is there anything I can help you with? Let me know. Like I have a marketing background. And from there on, at the time, I was an executive for a publicly traded company. I was the VP of marketing at a team of 25 people under me. And it was a lot of daily meetings, a lot of daily office, like hundreds of emails replying. And and it got to a point where I was like, this is not necessarily the life that I like to live, live in an office cubicle 24 seven, like be that. And then I started working with Scott more on the side as far as well, like, let's help set up some photo shoots. Like, all right, let's redo the website. Let's work on a PR agency and, and go to PR route. And, and from there on, it became very natural that the transition from me leaving my corporate job and becoming one of the partners in this business. Um, and it was really a passion to us that we could truly bring our friends involved. So we have a lot of our like podcasts that we work with. We have a lot of our YouTube channels that we work with. We have 75 different ambassadors in the field that are running in Path Gear. And yes, the majority of these are men. We actually also have our gear on some females as well because we have our running hats, some of our running shirts. Some women actually, some of the women actually prefer to run in the men's cut short. Uh, or the callaways or any of those kind of things. So we've we've developed that over the last three and a half years. And it's just getting started. This really is just the beginning of it. Once again, just like we're running, we're thinking long-term. We're thinking five years out, 10 years out, where are things going to go? But we absolutely see that, yeah, there's a lot of potential and excitement around this project now. So. Well, as, as I was telling you before we got started, Floris, I've been I've been on the look for uh, the, 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 the good running shorts for a while that, that don't, 
tear apart on the inseam or the inner thigh too quickly because that's apparently where I rub a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm good until all of a sudden there's a hole and then it, all of a sudden the chafing is just, uh, out of control. So, uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, continuing to, to wear some path, some path gear and, and see how it, how it shakes out. And hopefully, uh, lasts a little bit longer than some of the other, other shorts that I've been, uh, in, in the past. One thing that comes to mind, actually, it might be the fit of the short as well. So we developed the short initially with a classic fit, Mm -hmm. which was pretty like it was probably a little bit tighter than some other running shorts out there. But then we noticed quite a few different athletes had either tree trunk legs or like thicker thighs or like cyclists or crossfit Mm -hmm. guys. And then from there on, we actually developed some wider leg fits, too. So eventually it's like, yeah, we have different fits, different lengths. So you can just get a broad range of of runners there because yeah, not every runner has the same body time there too. Imagine that thought. Not every runner is is exactly, (laughs) uh, you know, cookie cutter and and the same proportions and same everything. Um, But going back to that, to that story a little bit, uh, I, I kind of almost laugh at myself for how I'm thinking about wording this question because uh, being, being that I've been now, I guess, self-employed for gosh, whatever, five or six years now, um, like I, I, you know, on one hand it's like, you know, sometimes having that corporate gig, like it feels a little bit more stable cause you're getting the paycheck every, every, every couple weeks or every month or however it works out. Uh, but the, on the other hand, like I also know that sometimes you can really get the rug yanked out from underneath you and it's nice to be in control of everything by, by working, you know, working for myself. Um, but, but for you, you know, being a, a, a VP, big company, sure on one hand there was a little bit of security there and then you know kind of leading in towards maybe getting into with a startup um was, was that a, a difficult process or did that take a while to kind of warm up to the idea of, of shifting the professional life and this was actually our fourth company that we've done now oh, wow. so it, it it this wasn't our first dance from that extent mm-hmm. uh from 2010 to 2015 my wife and i had a greeting card company an online greeting card company um, that actually was acquired in 2015. And then I went back to the corporate world and then now we're doing this. So we're kind of used to like that whole part of, yes, it's a little bit more unstable. It's a little bit more, yeah, it's, it's possibly higher risk, but at the other hand, you do have more in your own hands as well. I think 10 years ago, starting your own business was scarier than it is now because everyone and their mom is starting their own businesses and side hustles. And when I look at the first websites that I was building for our companies, it was duct taped together and it was really ugly. And now all you do is create a $99 account on Shopify and you're set. The tools have become a lot more set up that way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and, uh, I think, I think for the most part, for the better, you can get in trouble with that, of course, but like, you know, it, it allows more entrance into the field, which then hopefully means, you know, we all win at the end with better end products. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Flores, I feel like I could, uh, still have a, a half a dozen questions that we didn't get to, but we are getting, getting close to that point. So I, I don't want to keep you for, well, maybe we'll save some of those for a round two at some point down the road, but, um, gotta, gotta get you one more, uh, question before we wrap up here and it's something i call the the philosophical question which uh isn't maybe sometimes as scary as it sounds it's just kind of like the introductory question something that's open-ended you can kind of take it whichever way you uh want to go with it and and that's where we'll kind of put a bow on things for today but um you know at this point in in your your running career and even maybe in your personal career or your professional career a little bit as well but uh you know rewinding the clock back to that that first marathon that that four hour and 11 minute marathon to where we are today uh starting to coach doing all the all the extra things podcasts all the things 
um, why is why is running still something that you enjoy doing it? Why is it still something that that uh, gets you motivated to get out there, to get your miles in, to keep putting in the work? Uh, why do you why do you still run? I love it. Mm-hmm. It's my my connection with my inner self. It's my connection with being out there in nature. With it truly, like it brings so much joy to me. That, and that, that is something I used to not experience. It wasn't until I started learning to slow down and to actually like look around me and truly see, and this might sound cheesy, but it's not once you, once you slow down and you see the flowers around you, once you feel the wind on your skin, once you are okay with just walking for a few minutes, once you like take it all in, it is almost this recovery from daily life. It's like my meditation in nature. And whether you do that with friends, like I love like every Tuesday, my friends and I go on a run and it's typically about 10 to 12 miles and we call it the OC dads club. And it's just three dads just running and it's catching up on life. And at the same time, we get an hour and a half of running it. Like the running is just a side, like we don't even pay attention to the running. We're just out there catching up with friends. But at the other time, it is like going out there and just running for joy. But then from time to time, it's also like you feel you have more energy and on those days actually to push it really hard or to work towards a goal and to take small steps. And it's a good reminder again of like all of these big goals, all of these big challenges that you want to accomplish. You can get there if you cut it up in many small chunks. And I think that applies to business, that applies to friendship, that applies to running in so many different areas of your life there really. So... Yeah, broad answer, but there you have it. Yeah, I, I love it. I've, I'm sitting here nodding my head the whole way, and I'm sure several several folks, most of the folks listening, probably can uh, relate to that as well. Um, so, guys, if uh, you enjoyed today's conversation, you want to hear hear more from Floris every so often when those podcast episodes come out. Sometimes in short succession, sometimes there's a little break between it. <laughs> but uh, Extra Milest is the podcast. You can find it wherever podcasts are freely distributed. Uh, ExtraMilest.com is the website. PathProjects.com if you want to check out. Uh, the, the shorts that that uh, he and his his team are working on, uh, and again Instagram, YouTube, Strava, just at Floris Gearman, F L O R I S G I E R M A N. Dizruns.com slash nine six four. As always, we'll have everything linked up there for you to just point your browser over there and uh, make it make it easy to find Floris on all the different places. Uh, Floris, thank you for uh, for the time today. It certainly was was a pleasure. And like I said, lots of lots of. Uh, territory that i wanted to get into but knew we weren't going to get to it all so maybe somewhere down the road we can do it again but uh until then thanks for the time today and nothing but the best going forward absolutely thanks so much for having me all right guys thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show hope you enjoyed the conversation between flores and myself and as per usual be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode what was your takeaway from the conversation that you just listened to uh, for me, it was something that uh, that that Flores kind of tucked in there. That um, I don't know. I didn't necessarily catch it when we were going through it, but as I went back through and you know, obviously getting everything ready, I was like, "Oh man, that's that's a nugget right there." Maybe because it's something that I'm noticing with myself right now, and that is the the importance, I guess, or maybe not the importance, but the role that volume plays in making progress as as runners and with our training, especially. I think maybe even, I don't know, maybe not more so, but especially when you're focused on more of a effort-based training, whether it's math, 80-20, whatever the case might be. And uh, one, like I said, I'm noticing this in myself right now because I feel like in the last six or eight months, 
I've made more progress than I have in the first, you know, three years, maybe not quite more, but I've made as much progress in the last eight months than I have in the first three years of doing all the heart rate training stuff that I've been doing. And I think that there's a certain part of it that's just a matter of consistency. And the longer you stick with it, the longer you continue to, to do the, the work, put in the effort, be consistent with your training, the more benefit that you get. But I also think that it's not a coincidence that in the last eight months, certainly in the last year and a half, I've been running dramatically more than I ever have before. And I just think that because my training stress is not as much, um, you know, because each run is, is easy, right? Because almost every run I do is at an at a easy level of heart rate. So my training stress is, is there, but it's minimal. But by amping up the volume, by running more miles, I feel like maybe that's contributing a little bit to more growth. And, and maybe I'm, I'm missing it, but when Flores was saying that, you know, you need to, to recognize that when you make progress in the sport, that if you're, if you're training three miles a week, that's great. Or I'm sorry, three hours a week. So you got a couple few runs a week, you know, your time is short. Hey, time is short for all of us. I get it. But if you're, if you're able to train more, if you're able to train five hours a week, you'll make more progress. than if you're able to train three, six hours, eight hours, etc. it just kind of was like, oh, maybe that's why things really seem to be moving in the right direction for me now. So it's a double-edged sword though. And I do want to not sign off before I kind of address that a little bit, that more is not necessarily always better, right? There's a point where more is too much, a bad thing, potentially leading to injury, leading to burnout, leading to fatigue that, that actually can, can cause a regression. So it's, it's a fine line. And, and of course you want to progress intelligently. You don't want to jump in from three hours a week to 10 hours a week. That's a good way to get injured. Right. So it's, it's, it's a moving target, but it's just something that I don't think that I'd ever really considered as much until kind of just recently recognizing that maybe this, all this volume I'm doing is helping. And then when Flores mentioned that, you know, making progress towards big goals can either take, you know, you can't speed it up too much, but in, in as much as you can train a little bit more, that can help speed things up a little bit. I just was, oh yeah, like that makes sense. And I feel like I'm seeing it right now in myself. So anyway, that was my takeaway. Hope that made sense a little bit. Uh, if it did great, if not, Hey, don't worry about it. I, I apologize. I didn't explain it well. Um, and maybe it just didn't make sense because it's not something that registered with you. So I'd be curious what did, what did stand out to you from this episode? Let me know as you, you know the places by now, but I'm going to remind you of them anyway. At Diz Runs on Twitter, at Diz Runs on Instagram. You can send an email to DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today, uh, just like you can for every every episode of the show. We always have that comment section down at the bottom of the show notes. Uh, and today, that link is DizRuns.com slash 964. DizRuns.com slash 964. Leave your thoughts and feedbacks and takeaways down in that comment section. We'll start a conversation going. Uh, looking forward to hearing what stood out to you from this episode. And, uh, you know, if there's any, any questions you have about heart rate training, let me know or ask, ask Flores as well. Obviously he knows, he knows a thing or two, uh, which I hope that came through today as well. But anyway, that's that before we completely wrap this one up, one last reminder about the giveaway and seeing as this episode is coming out the last Monday of July means there's a new winner going to be picked soon. So get yourself in it ASAP before the month turns over and you got a, a, one more chance to win. Dizruns.com slash giveaway or Dizruns.com uh, right there on the homepage. Either way, you can get yourself entered into the giveaway and uh, may the odds ever be in your favor. And with that, let's wrap this one up. If you enjoyed this one, if you know somebody who's who's maybe uh, you know dabbling with heart rate training, struggling a little bit with the effort-based thing, maybe share this one. I think that's a good one for that. If you're on the fence, maybe this one helped you kind of think a little bit more about it. 
Uh, one way or the other, though, if you enjoyed this one, maybe you know somebody else who would as well. Hit that share button. Always appreciated. And until next time, y'all, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? See you guys.